Hello, and welcome to the Bamboo Lab Podcast with your host, Peak Performance Coach, Brian Bosley. Are you stuck on the hamster wheel of life, spinning and spinning, but not really moving forward? Are you ready to jump off and soar? Are you finally ready to sculpt your life? If so, you've landed in the right place. This podcast is created and broadcast just for you. All of you strivers, thrivers, and survivors out there. If you'd like to learn more about Brian and the Bamboo Lab, feel free to reach out to explore your true peak level at www.bamboolab3.com. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's show. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy today's guest. We have Amanda Lowen on here today. And, you know, probably four weeks ago, I reached out to several friends of mine, some clients, some previous podcast uh, guests, and I said, hey... This year, I kind of want to get recommendations for people. And a mutual friend of mine and Amanda, Justin Samples, who was back, I believe he was June 22nd or June 12th of 2023. He shot an amazing episode that has done incredibly well on the show. Um, it was episode number 92, I believe, and it was titled Outlast the Bastards by Justin Samples. And uh, he's like, dude, you got to reach out to Amanda. She She's an amazing jiu-jitsu instructor out of Oregon here. She She's worked with my boy Jackson, I think it was. And mm-hmm. um, so I give her me now. Get, let's connect us. We did. We connected. We talked last week. And uh, it's just going to be so much fun. I, we had such a cool conversation last week. So I'm just going to share you a little bit about her. Uh, Amanda is a third-degree jiu-jitsu black belt, a 10th planet black belt, and she was actually the state of Oregon's first female to be awarded the black belt. So without further ado, my new friend Amanda, welcome to the Bamboo Lab podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And what did I promise you? That after the show, when we're done airing, you're going to say, that was so much fun. So let's (laughs) make it fun so I don't have to go back on my word. All right. So so I got a chance last week, uh, everybody out there, to talk to Amanda for, I think, 30, 35 minutes or so on the phone. I was just so impressed. We had such a cool conversation. Uh, so I got to know a little bit about her, but not a lot. So I'm going to be learning as you guys are at the same time. So Amanda, can you share with us a little bit about you know where you're from, your childhood, uh, who or what inspired you to do what you're doing now? Just whatever you want to share about so we can get a good framework of who you are. Oh man, um, <laughs> depends on how deep you want to go into my childhood. As but uh, deep as you want to go, my friend. <laughs> um, I uh, was born in California, and uh, I grew up in Sanger, California, which is kind of uh, a bit of country. It's near Fresno, or kind of the Clovis area, so Central Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, I had a good, but um, I would say probably pretty tough childhood, um, with some regards to my dad. Um, but I, I absolutely loved, um, where I grew up, um, and the opportunities that I had as far as being able to really connect with animals and riding horses and not having to be, uh, super close to a bunch of neighbors. Um, we had a couple acres growing up and I just absolutely love just being outside all the time um, with my brothers and my sister and stuff. Uh, After that, um, we ended up moving closer to Fresno. And then when I was about, oh, maybe 20 or so, I ended up moving to uh, Portland, Oregon. So around 2007 or so. Um, And I've been in Oregon since. Well, you missed me. I was in Portland in 98, the year. I think I spent like six or seven months living in Oregon, Portland. I think it was, I think we talked about this. I think that was 90. No, it was like 99, 2000. I was there. I was there during the, the, uh, what do you call it? The 2000 madness when everything was going to supposedly shut down. I think I was out there when that on July, on January 1st or December 31st, when it was, what did you, what do they call that? When the, the Y2K? <laughs> yeah, Y2K. I think that's when I was out there. I think I was in a uh, hotel are, when all that went down. Those were the, the good times. The yeah, good yeah. times. <laughs> Portland was fun back then. I remember, I had yeah. my, I'd share with you, I had my very first micro brew beer. I think it was Widmer Brothers. I think it was the name of the brewery and their Hefeweizen and I had out there. And I couldn't believe what I was drinking. I was used to Bud Light, you know, Coors Light, just your big beer. And uh, I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And to this day, I still find it out here in Michigan, still drink it when I do or when I can find it. 
Yeah, Portland um, <clears throat> has changed changed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I find myself um, out here in Central Oregon now, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't be happier. Good. Are you still avid in outdoors, horses and animals? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I've got um, I've got a horse myself, and we are uh, working on getting better every day. Oh, that's awesome. Well, so I don't. So, when did you start in the training of jujitsu? Oh, jujitsu! I started in uh, two thousand nine. Wow! So I had yeah. At the time, I had no idea what jujitsu was. I hadn't really watched um, any like MMA fights or UFC. I happened to work at a tropical fish store, and then around the corner from that fish store was uh, was my first gym, and so I would just kind of walk past and. I would see these people in, in geese or kimonos, um, and I thought they were doing karate, and I was like, well, maybe I should do karate too. Um, and I'm just really, really glad, uh, no offense to people that do karate, but I'm really glad that it wasn't karate, um, that it was uh, like, yeah, submission wrestling basically. So <clears throat> I went in, talked to a couple people. They said I should come check it out. Um, and at that time, kind of in 2009, it was more of, uh, like survival of the fittest. So you would just kind of go into a gym and maybe do a class or, or go over some moves and then you would spar. So I just kind of got thrown into, to sparring afterwards. Um, and I would say because I'm a very maybe persistent or stubborn individual, um, I knew that I wanted to come back after just getting like completely mopped on the floor so <laughs> i gotta tell you you know I, as you sent me your your headshot and i always have guests send me a picture i said pick a picture that you like and send it to me that's what i'm going to use for the promo and for the for the the uh the podcast um you know picture this was probably one of the that was definitely the most badass one i've ever got and it, it's probably <laughs> my favorite to date it, it's the and you guys will all see it when you see well you obviously can see it now as you're listening to the podcast but the tattoos the black belt the black uh or the black, I guess, title belt, um, black, the black shirt. I mean, it's, and then you look at your face, it's like, that's not what I expected when I scrolled up and saw it. I'm like, I expected just scars on your face and kind of more tattoos. And it just got this amazing <laughs> smile, like the most kind eyes. And then you look down, it's like, it's like this dichotomy of, of grace and, and grit at the same time. It's really a cool picture, man. It really is. Um, so what, what do you, so what was it about for you, like when you were younger growing up, I mean, martial arts is a pretty, that's a pretty tough thing to go into. And jujitsu, you know, obviously is one of the more difficult ones, you know, you're submitting and you got all these strangle mm-hmm. holes and everything. Was there a point in your life that you thought at what, maybe not as, as a child, but maybe later on that you thought something triggered you or inspired you other than, other than just walking by a dojo one day? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, so growing up, I didn't really, I wasn't like an athlete in elementary school. I played soccer, but I was, it was not like a, like a traveling team or a phenomenal team by any means. Um, I really wanted to play sports in high school, but at that time, uh, my mom was a single mom and she just, she couldn't afford, um, to do that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, jujitsu was, I think, the the first like really physical thing that I was able to do, um, and I just I don't know I fell I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, as I was training in the beginning, I was going to school full time and I was working full time, um, and I ended up just quitting it all. Um, I don't know if I recommend that for everyone, but I definitely think that following your passions or things that you're in love with is, is really important. Um, and I knew that I would find a way to make it work. So yeah, I just, it's this puzzle that you'll never be able to completely solve. And I think that's what kind of keeps me coming back. So when did you earn your black belt? Your first black belt? I earned my black belt in, in 2014. So I went from white to black in five years which um, is pretty quick um, for a lot of people. It takes like 10 to 12 years to earn their black belt. Uh, 
but I, I don't know. <laughs> it was, I didn't choose, you know, you, you can't just ask for your black belt. I definitely didn't ask for, for any of my belts. Um, sometimes I wish that, uh, that I had gotten it a bit later, but you, you're constantly kind of growing into your belts, you know, and a lot of, a lot of folks say like when they get their black belts, you're basically kind of starting over. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you feel this way. I'm assuming you do. I, one of the things that I learned when watching my son get his black belt in karate was it, it was all, it was never about aggressiveness. It was, you know, his, his sensei would, he would start every class at the dojo by saying, what's the, what's the best way to win a fight? And everybody would scream, walk away. And I, that's the thing I learned watching this progression. Then he went into, he was trained by a world-class kickboxer. Now he is trained by, goes to a gym where a lot of the Olympic boxing team trains. And it's the same kind of mantra throughout, you know, you get a few knuckleheads in there that are there because they want to beat somebody up. They want to beat someone's ass on the street and they want to just be a mm-hmm. tough guy or a tough girl. But the vast majority, they were the most respectful people I'd ever been around at these tournaments and in the classes and everybody was just amazingly respectful. And I, it's so cool to watch now my son who's 21 because he's able to carry that confidence with him. You know, but at 21, he has a lot of testosterone. So sometimes it can get the better of him and he has to hold that back. Um, when you walk down the street, I'm assuming, and I don't know because I don't have a belt in anything, um, that you walk with a, 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 a sense of humble um, confidence. Uh, that I'm probably going to be able to take care of myself in the vast majority of situations. Is that true? Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely feel um, confident when I'm walking around. Um, but I, I don't know. I also, <clears throat> I, I don't go out very often. Um, I don't know. Someone had told me, just like, well, don't go stupid places with stupid people and do stupid things. So it's <laughs> probably, probably the best advice anybody could give anyone out there. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I walk a ton. Um, I'm always making sure that I'm, I'm being aware of my surroundings. Um, but also, yeah, I, I feel that if I needed to defend myself, um, that I would be able to, um, but also again, I am not, and I never have sought out like a fight. So no, no. very good at de-escalation and, and just avoiding not great situations. Well, Amanda, when I was in college, I was the, I was the opposite. I couldn't <laughs> fight my way. I played rugby in college. So I, I was fairly athletic, you know, and, but I wasn't a great athlete. I was, a, I was athletic enough. I was 215 pounds maybe. Um, so I was, in, you know, fairly bigger guy. And I was the opposite. I'd go out after I'd fought on the rugby pitch. I fought after the games. I fought at bars and I got my ass kicked probably 75% of the time. And I deserved every one of those times. Um, so I, it's, it's to kind of see that, 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 that difference between like people like you and my son and the way I was when I was, you know, 21, as my son is now, um, I wish I would have gotten into some type of martial arts. It probably would have saved me a few stitches along the way. Oh yeah, Ju- yeah, jujitsu really humbles a person, and uh, it it definitely checks the e- <laughs> the ego quite a bit. Um, we've we've definitely had some some real characters come into the gym. You know, some people that are just like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want an MMA fight, or I I've had some street fights, and it's like, oh, that's you know, that's cool, good for, good for you. <laughs> you can you know come and roll, and we'll we'll give you a bit of a reality check. Um, <laughs> I would and imagine some, you know, Justin and Kara's son was probably pretty good naturally because Justin was a, is a hell of an athlete and Kara is too. I mean, they're both athletes. So I think any child, if you trained them, must have been had some pretty good – they come from they, – they, those boys come from a pretty good gene pool. Oh, no, abso- absolutely. Jackson is – yeah. I <laughs> I tried to – you know, I would tell him and I'd tell his parents. I'm like, you know, I, I don't have – Try not to have favorites in kids' class, but if I did, <laughs> Jackson would definitely be at the top. He was just very tenacious, and he he worked so hard. And man, I, I get it because if you lose a match, it's just it it can be devastating sometimes. But um, he would always get back in there, and he would just try his hardest. And he's you know 
adorable little redhead on top yeah, of everything. He, he is. I, I don't think I've ever met him. I remember when he was born. I remember when, when they t- announced that, that they were expecting. And I don't think I've ever met him. I flew out there a few years ago to do a speech for mm-hmm. Justin's clients. But I don't think the boys were there. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think they were. I see pictures of them all the time. So... Um, so the next question, I have a question for you. So, and I always put this on the, I always ask it like, what is the greatest thing you've learned in the last 12 months? But I don't really care about the time frame. but in the recent future, in the recent past, I should say, Amanda, what do you think is one of the greatest learnings you've had in life that you could share with us? Oh man, that's such a, I've been thinking about this a lot, but, um, I think more recently, uh, for myself is that timing is everything. Um, and for me, it's like God's timing is the best timing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we try to force some things on our own a lot and, uh, maybe it's just not meant to be. And, and we get frustrated with that, but I think there really is, um, a time and a place for everything. Uh, so I, I don't know. I've just been really, really feeling that uh, lately, just moving to a new place and um, I'll be starting kind of a, a new career here pretty soon. But everything I think has a reason as to, to why it's happened or why it's happening. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I just feel super, super grateful and very, very thankful as to where I'm at right now and just remembering to be present. You know, again, timing, and because I was, I sat down last Thursday and uh, at a beer garden with this amazing lady, um, whose house I'm at right now, I'm shooting this pot, recording this podcast, and I, I was telling her that in the last, I would say, two months, I've been getting an. I, I couldn't think of the word. She said epiphanies. I'm like, okay, let's go with that one. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. always follow epiphanies. And I, I guess I should say this. I never have. I have spent, I've been doing what I do for 27 years. I'm in my 28th years of coaching for myself, you know, for clients. But mm-hmm. I and I always felt like I was so always trying to put a square peg in a round hole. I was always trying to rush things, hurry things, hurry the success, hurry the money, hurry the impact. Get And, yep. was, and I got these epiphanies. It was probably November of last year. And literally, Amanda, I'm not joking. I've gotten thousands since now as of today, which is February 13th or 12th, 12th, I guess. I don't know what it is. 13th, I think. I have gotten mm-hmm. thousands and whether it would be a meme that I read or something in a book or something I'll hear somebody say or in it or in my dreams. And it's all, it was all about let go of the wheel. I got this. Yeah. You know, yeah, just, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I literally sat down one day cause I had, I, I found out why I guess I had, I think I had COVID three weeks ago cause a lot of people I know had it and we had the same thing. I had a headache. Um, and then, I, but then I had a day of high anxiety and all these weird bad dreams and like all my family members had the same thing but when i was having this day of anxiety i didn't know what it was um i never had anxiety before and i remember i looked and i said take the wheel just take it you're the captain now and i'm just going to focus on what i do really well and that was probably three weeks ago and uh, well it was was, three weeks ago when i said this and yeah maybe through two or three weeks and i'm gonna be this is the weird thing and all of a sudden, I started getting people calling me in. Like I've gotten a couple calling people saying, "Hey, I really would like to work with you. I'd like to, I'd like you to coach me, or can you come and speak at this engagement um, in May of, of 2025? Or hey, I'd uh-huh, like to be on your uh-huh. podcast, or like you, uh, I sent a text out and I get I probably got 12 people uh, who or I got probably 12 recommendations of people to put on my podcast. And the best part about it is not just that I feel like okay, I'm putting it in his hands. It's, but also I'm a lot less stressed right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. It's, I think shit, it's I learning to be, learning to be patient in the things that you want to grow. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. This question is my favorite question and it's the one that the audience seems to connect with the most. And, and so, and you don't have to answer it, but I'd like to find out what would, is one of the most difficult things you've ever gone through on your journey in life and over the past, you know, uh, 10 years of being a black belt in the past 15 years of being involved with martial arts and but any, any part of your life. But over that journey, what is one of the most difficult things you've gone through in your life and, and, and how did you overcome it? Uh, let's see. Um, 
maybe I've like a, I've got a couple different things. Um, one was leaving my old gym, um, and then the other was leaving a, a really tumultuous relationship. That'll do it. So yeah, um, but uh, the leaving my first gym because I was there for ten years or so. Um, maybe a little bit less, but, uh, you know, that in itself is kind of like a relationship and there are still, I find a ton of phenomenal people within that, uh, organization, um, at that gym, but, um, it just was not a good, healthy place for me for a long time, um, but kind of that, uh, you know, the loyalty aspect was drilled into me so hard. It, it felt like I couldn't leave for a bit. So um, I'm just really glad I I had a really um, solid group of people to kind of help me work out of that and realize that there are much better things. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up at 10th Planet um, with Phil Schwartz and Sam Hardy and all those guys, um, they're just a phenomenal group of individuals. And then, you know, with those people, I was uh, in a a pretty not awesome relationship uh, for far too long. Was that the same time you were at the gym too? Um, A little bit. It was, it was mostly after I had left um, kind of, kind of, exiting it for a bit. Um, but yeah, I was with this person for probably three, almost four years. Um, and it was, yeah, super, super difficult. Um, all of, uh, all of the things that I should have listened. I don't know. My mom had told me in the beginning, like this person is, is not your person. They're not right for you, but um, at the time, it was really easy to listen to someone who was telling you all of these really nice things. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I got kind of consumed by this by this person, and kind of the classic, oh, he'll he'll get better. I can I can help fix him, or I can, yeah. Well, what, I'm not going to ask what happened that made you go, but was there a moment for you where you just said, like a an epiphany? I don't know. Uh, yeah, said, I had. <laughs> yeah, after so he was an addict. He liked to do like cocaine, and he he definitely liked to drink and all that kind of stuff, um, which I'm I'm not like a huge fan of at all, actually, um, but after a few incidences of some things, I finally asked him, I'm just like, I was like, do you, do you think you'll ever change or do you want to change? And he he was like, Oh no. He's like, I'm not going to change. And I was like, God, that's all I needed to hear. After all these years, I just needed to hear that. Um, But to be quite honest, if I, I, if I didn't have the support system or the community, of several people from the gym and obviously my family, I don't, I don't know where I would kind of be today. Um, I would say that a lot of those people kind of saved my life or, or definitely helped me get through, uh, that phase of my life. Well, timing is everything, you know, you have, that's right. That's right. So now looking back, how long ago was that? Uh, that was, two and a half, three years ago now. Okay. okay. So when you look back three years later, um, what, what was the value you got out of? It? Like, what did you learn that now you made you a better person that if you wouldn't have experienced that, that, that time with that gentleman that you would never have gotten out of life. <laughs> uh, I learned all of the red flags. <laughs> <laughs> I learned, uh, that I need to be happy with myself uh, before I ever pursue another relationship. Um, I learned that I, c- I cannot fix someone, that I am not in charge of someone's actions. Um, 
yeah, I'm learning still every day to, uh, to love myself and that my value isn't within a win from a competition. It's not within a loss. It's, it's someone's happiness. Uh, like I shouldn't be in charge of making someone happy again. They need to be happy with themselves and before we can, you know, pursue something or, or kind of link our happinesses together. Maybe. Yeah. And those are some incredibly strong life changing, altering uh, learnings. And I, 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 I like to ask that because so often, you know, a lot of people tune into the podcast today or a lot of podcasts of this type because they're going through something. Um, not everybody. Some people just want to continue to grow and their life is going very well. But but we all know we're all going to fall flat on our faces at some point. We're going to have some really rough times, or we already have. We're going to, some are still in them. And I think it's important mm-hmm. for us to realize that we're in those moments, and they're not there to beat us up. They do beat us up, but that's not the intent of those moments. The intent of those moments is for us to learn and grow from them. And a lot of times, we don't look around for the learnings because we're so busy feeling beaten up, maybe playing victim, maybe um, uh, uh, feeling sorry for ourselves, that we don't mm-hmm. stop and go, well, what the hell am I getting out of this? Because there's value here. I went through a divorce 20, uh, 19, 20 years ago. I was married one time, mm-hmm. Amanda, for three years, two and a half years. Same problem. It was, uh, I have never done cocaine in my life. I've I, you know, I, I only seen it twice in my life, but unfortunately my, my wife at the time got into it. It was into it before we were married, but wasn't when we met each other, got back into it. And, um, you know, people look back and say, that must've been a difficult, I mean, it was cause I had a little baby to raise and I got, uh, fortunately mm-hmm. I got that little baby full custody of him. And now he's a 21 year old, um, incredible young man. Um, but I look, I look back now and I think of, and I did, you know, relatively soon afterward, maybe a couple of years afterward, I started thinking of all the amazing things that I got out of that. I got three amazing stepsons out of it for one. I got this amazing young boy out of it. I also learned that whether I ever would have done cocaine in my life or not, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have. It's never was never part of my culture. But I know now I would never would do it because I saw it destroy our family. And it, it, yeah. And I just, yep. I also learned that there's, you have to have empathy for people. You know, one of the things I, I've heard so many times in my, in my life since this divorce is, oh my God, she must have been a horrible person. And my God, I'm so sorry you went through that. And, and I can't understand how a woman could just leave their, their, their children and, and leave their family and never see them for 10, 15, 20 years. I'm like, yeah, I don't either understand it, but it isn't my job to understand. All I can do is say I she wasn't a bad person. She was a good person, but just got caught up in something that she couldn't control. And I learned a lot more empathy for people because I was not a very empathetic person 25 years ago. Not at all. I judged people. I was a very judgy person. If you didn't mm-hmm. do this, this you're an idiot, you know. And I was very divisive about things. I've just learned that hey, people go through shit, man. I don't want to be a part of it, but I'm not going to cut. I'm not going to make that person. I'm not going to belittle that person or berate that person for the choices they made because they were in a different capacity emotionally or mentally than I am. And uh, so I, it, you learn so much when you go through the shit of life. And oh, for sure. I feel like um, it's it's hard to have success when you haven't gone through failure. Oh, it's um, it's impossible. Yeah, I I know I talk about I listen to as I told you before I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast I listen to a lot of podcasts but and I drive a lot so I'll get you know 15 hours on the road a week sometimes if I'm going to and fro and I I throw Rogan on a lot because I I, and I love that he talks about he does a really good excerpt on just he's never met a person that he is who's been successful in life in whatever capacity that hasn't had some incredibly dark moments and you know you don't wish that on anybody I don't but yet at the same time, it's like, I'm kind of glad you're going through this right now, because if you'd handle it properly, you're going to come out of this incredibly strong. And I, I, I equate it to like mm-hmm. during the COVID time. And I've said this so many times in the podcast. And I told when COVID hit and everything was shut down in 20, I guess it was. Yeah. I remember calling my clients and saying, okay, every one of them, this is going to, you're going to come out of COVID. You will not come out of this unchanged. You'll either be a weaker person and your company will be weaker or you'll be a stronger person and your company will be stronger. It's going to be mm-hmm. how you handle yourself. And I told that to my my family. And obviously, I preached that to myself. And it was, and I saw that. I saw people go through COVID and come out much weaker. And I'm not talking physically weaker. I'm talking emotionally and mentally. 
but I saw people oh, come yeah, out of that. People they, they buckled. just wanted to completely shut down. <laughs> yeah, they shut everything down. And then I yeah. saw people come out of it incredibly strong. And we did a thing, Manda, that you probably haven't heard me say, but um, I have talked about it on the previous shows. When COVID hit, the night that we were told that schools were shut down, the gym was shut down, our restaurants were shut down, it was just me and my son. He was a junior in high school, I think. He was. And, you know, socialization was kind of shut down. And I brought a whiteboard from my office and put it at the base of our in our living room. And I put the word, the letter CIA on it. And I said, we're going to focus on this right now. I said, let's put, so C stood for control, I stood for influence, and A stood for um, accept. And I said, what are all the things we have to accept right now? You can't go to the gym. We can't have friends over. Um, we can't go to our restaurants. You're not going to be in school. He didn't care about that one. He kind of liked that one. But not being able to go to the gym. And, you know, so and we put a bunch of things down. And I crossed them all off. I said, we no longer will discuss those. We're not going to spend any time on those because we have to accept those. And I said, what can we influence? And I said, all we can influence is other people's b- behavior, potentially. So we'll, we won't even worry about that one. What we're going to focus on are all the things we can control during whatever this two weeks or two years, whatever it's going to be. And it was things like we can work out at home. We can read a lot more. We can spend more quality time together. We can cook healthier foods rather than eating out. And we put a list of all these things that we could control and now we didn't do all of those, but we did a lot of them. And I said, if we do these things and not not focus at all on the things that we have to just accept and we focus on the things we can control, we're both going to come out of this a lot better person. And I said, because a lot of the world right now is, is going to sit there and piss and moan about the things they have to accept, and they're not going to focus on anything that they can control. And, mm-hmm. and and that is exactly what happened. It happened within my own family. It happened with my friend group, with clients. I saw people do one or the other. And it worked out every time. Those who worked on the control factors, they did better. Those who worked on focused on the things that they just have to accept and they worried about those and complained about those, they came out weaker. It was so I mean, going back, it was a long I asked you the question and I just want to clarify why I asked that because I think it's so important for the people to right now who are going through something or maybe went through something over the last five years that they're still dwelling on. There's a lot of beauty in that in that dark moment. Find it. You know, you, you pull you can pull a lot of strength out of your dark side and your dark moments. Oh, absolutely. I agree. What right now, so as you are uh, advancing further and you're now changing into a new career, it sounds like going into something else. Right now, what do you call a win for you in life? What is a victory for Amanda Lowen? Ooh, okay. Um, a win for me is uh, to maybe have others see me as like a light or a positive private presence after I interact with someone. Um, and then <clears throat> definitely to leave people with like confidence and understanding anytime I coach, um, because I always want my students to be better than me when I started, uh, whenever they started or, or at that particular time. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's definitely a win for me is to, I don't know. I want to leave a really great legacy. Um, competing is cool. Um, I like competing. It's probably the hardest thing, um, that I've ever done or that I continue to do, but I do it because it keeps me humble and because it makes me so uncomfortable. Um, but when I coach, I feel like I'm really able to let loose a little bit more um, because I just, I love sharing the thing that I love so much with other people. Well, you think about when you go one-on-one on a mat or a ring with another human being with nobody, you know, you don't have 11 other members or 10 people on your team that you can, your mistakes will not be as exemplified. If you're, you're going one-on-one, everything you do right and everything you do wrong is it's right there for everybody to see. I do think that is the most difficult challenge a person can go can put themselves in on purpose is to go one on one combat with another human being. I, I can't imagine anything more challenging. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's extraordinarily challenging, but um, I think that's that's why I continue to do it because I do want to be challenged. You've got you know some some people in the gym that that just want to be uh, you know gym heroes. <laughs> and uh, they they never want to challenge themselves outside of that pool. Um, and I think those are the people that especially need to do it um, because they need to get that slice of humble pie once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I'm one of those people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I just look at it like this. I, you know, you said a couple of things there, and I think the one thing that really stood out was, you know, you want to be this light and this presence for people when you're when you're when you're coaching them and, and teaching them to leave them with the confidence and understanding. That comes down to one simple thing, and I and I I, I think this is probably the greatest learning I've ever gotten in my life is that I think our roles of as a human being. If we could all take this one role seriously, whatever your profession is, whatever your socioeconomic status is, it doesn't matter. Our role is to increase the sense of self-worth of other people. And if you can do that, because, you know, we talk about uh, the shortage of natural resources, whether it be oil or whatever in our country. Maybe we talk about uh, there's a lack of unity in our country. But what really people mostly lack is a sense of self-worth. That's the biggest um, um, de- a deficit we have in the, as a human being across the entire planet is people don't really love themselves that much. They have, they might be confident in what they do for a living, but they're very insecure as people. And- yeah, but I think uh, a lot of people just they choose to constantly live in fear. They're yes. scared of everything. They want to be told what to do all of the time, and so they they take like zero. I don't know charge of their own life exactly. because they're just they're too afraid. They're afraid. Yeah. And it comes down to if you have a sense of self-worth, you can say, hey, I'm not good at this, but I know I can get out there and try. But they're afraid to Mm -hmm. do that. And I think that part of our job is to increase people's sense of self-worth. I'm not talking about, you know, saying, oh, great job. You're so good. Sometimes it means taking them behind the woodshed and giving them the lashing they need, you know, the the figurative lashing and tell them, hey, you're better than this. Start acting it. Sometimes it means getting into a person's face and challenging them. And, you know, getting them to come out of their comfort zone. That, but the other thing you said I thought was profound was getting in that ring and challenging yourself, doing something you're afraid of. Because we we tend to love our comfort zones. And our comfort mm-hmm. zones and, – and you can – when I meet a person that I'm just mesmerized by, um, I know that person is constantly stretching his or her uh, comfort zones. Then I meet people who – I sometimes feel kind of comfortable around because they're, they feel safe because they don't ever stretch their comfort zone. I sometimes I, I like being around them, too, because it, sometimes I need to slow down and not stretch my comfort zones. And I like being relaxed around people who are OK, just being who they are. But the people yes. who truly inspire are the people who are constantly stretching that comfort zone, snapping it into a bigger size and stretching it again, breaking it, and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's one of the things that one on one combat, for lack of a better phrase, does for people. It's, it's it's pretty powerful. Uh, it's a huge thing that uh, that jujitsu teaches people is to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Like how calm, how patient can you be when when someone is trying to, you know, ultimately choke you or break a limb or break a foot or or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes you know, it's, it's also when you're going through those dark moments of life, like you went through you know, two or three years ago, it's if somebody's in that right now, you're uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable right now. It, you can't just, you can't, you, you can't necessarily uh, deny your way out of this, uh, whatever dif- difficulty you're going through. You have to say, I'm in it right now. I have to accept it and get out of it. But you really can't get out of it unless you accept it and be comfortable in it for a moment and be present in it. Then you can get your, move your way through it. I remember Dawson always said whenever he fought, whether it was boxing or karate when he was younger, he's always afraid when he's in the ring until the first um, contact is made. Then the fear is just gone. He said, Absolutely. I, I don't ha- feel anything after that. No fear at all. And he did a podcast about a year and a half ago, Amanda, with me. And it was something titled like that. Fear, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but fear is, not, fear is not here to stop us. It's here to inspire us or something like that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a, I think you learn a lot, lot, a lot of that in the in the combat sports. Um, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to fly out to to um, Culver, Oregon today, and I'm going to bring my time machine. And you're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. get in. And we're gonna fly back to some point in life. I don't care what age you were, but you get a chance to sit down and talk to your former younger self. And I'm just going to sit there and listen and maybe take some notes. What would you say to the younger version of yourself? What words of wisdom, <laughs> advice, or store recipes for success would you share? Okay. Well, the uh, the first thing I would tell me, I would say, hey, go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Ther- therapy is one. so cool, um, and you need it. Uh, <laughs> find a great therapist uh, who will give you some great tools um, to <laughs> to go through some some of the tough things. Um, also don't settle for what just feels right at the moment. 
Um, also, listen to your mom, even though she was a pain in the ass when you were 15. Um, she knows <laughs> she knows a lot more than you think. Um, yeah, I think those are those are some huge things. Um, but definitely, <clears throat> I don't know. Continue pursuing the things that you are most passionate about. Um, I am really, really thankful um, that I, I don't know, I, I stopped going to school. I had stopped my job um, and I just, I just wanted to do jujitsu and I had complete faith in myself um, that I would find a way to make it work. And I've mostly found a way to make it work today about a little over 14 years later. Did I hear you right earlier, Amanda, when you fell in love with jujitsu, you kind of just, you went full bore into it? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was going um, to school at the time. I wanted to do like zoology or uh, wildlife rehabilitation. I wanted to work with animals. Um, but I just, it's not that I, I don't love animals today, but um, I don't know. I just, I really wanted to pursue this jujitsu thing. Um, I just, I, I love being able to coach students and help them problem solve and, um, hopefully, hopefully kind of find that, uh, passion inside of them. So. Well, I think what you, I like what you said earlier is you want to leave a legacy and I don't think there's anything more profound for another human being to do than leave a positive, inspiring legacy with others. And you can do that working with children or adults or whatever you do. I mean, everybody has that opportunity and somebody who's listening might say, well, I wash dishes at a restaurant. Yeah, you can leave a legacy. You can leave a legacy in every capacity of your life. It's based on how you live your own and how you, you know, and how you live. That, that's the biggest way to do it is live, live a really good life role, be a great role model for others. And no matter what our co career choice or where our vocational landing is, whatever that might be, damn, you can live, a, you can leave a fucking really good legacy at anything you do. It may not be mm -hmm. in the career you chose, but could be. But it might just be what how you treat others on the outside, how you live your life, how you think, how you grow, how you stretch your comfort zones, how you find comfort in the discomfort. You know, anything you could. People are watching at all times. Um, so a hundred percent. I want to repeat what uh, Amanda said. If she could go back to her younger self, she said, "Hey, go to therapy." So I'm going to share that with a lot of people because there's a lot of people out there who will not go to therapy or maybe who are curious, but they've never gone. I've gone to therapy. I probably have had seven or eight different therapists in my life from college on. Um, and I've only met a couple that didn't do me any good, but they didn't last long for me. But some of the other ones changed the direction of my life. And now you can get on better help online and do everything remote. You don't even have to go to an office anymore if you don't want to. So I, I couldn't agree with that one more, but don't settle for what is comfortable at the moment. I mean, you might have to stop and say, I have to, I have to be comfortable in this discomfort, but I also have to say, I can do better. I can be better. I deserve better and work your way through that process. Yes. And, and then pursue your passions. But I wanted to do the last one, the, the one you said, the third one you said, because it's, I think the best one, listen to your mom. I mean, listen to your mom. I mean, I, uh, you know, they always say when I left college, you know, when I went to college at 18, I, my mom didn't know anything. When I graduated five years later, I came home and realized how much my mom learned in those five years, you know, it's, like, it's, it's like, crazy. It's, <laughs> they know better. And I understand, no, for sure. And I understand, you know, not, not everybody's mom, uh, may have a, you know, that impact on them. Um, you know, maybe, my dad was a, was a real interesting character and he taught me some <clears throat> significant lessons, but in a very different way than my mom did. Um, yeah, my mom has just always kind of been there. I think she's, she's a big fan, um, but she also keeps me, me real honest. <laughs> Well, it's kind of hide to hard, hide, hard to hide from your mom. She kind of knows a lot of things about you. They all do. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. And you're right. It doesn't have to be your mom. Maybe for some people, they have a better relationship with their dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent mm -hmm. or a friend. But there are people out there who know you, who love you, who trust you, who uh, who want to better you. Listen to them. And for my children, I'll say this because I know they're listening. Listen to your dad, too. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> and mom, I know you're listening. Trust me. I do listen to you, whether you think I do or not. I do listen to you. <laughs> There's nobody in the world who I, whose advice I respect more than my mother's. Um, 
Well, what's next for you then? As you're continuing on this journey, what's next? What's the next big step or phase for Amanda? Oh, next big step. I am uh, in the process of becoming a uh, sheriff's deputy for um, Jefferson County Correctional Facility. Um, Eventually, I'll be opening up uh, 10th Planet Bend. So if you guys are in the, uh, the Central Oregon Bend area, keep on the lookout for that. And then uh, eventually, I will also be a rodeo champion. What? I don't know when. <laughs> I don't know when that will be. My horse and I are, uh, you know, we're pretty green. We're pretty, pretty new still. But um, that's my current favorite thing in the world is being really, really bad at something. I get to be a white belt all over, and there's zero expectations, and people in that world don't know who I am at all. So. I get to I get to kind of start all over in that regard, and and one day I'll, I'll get a really cool belt buckle or something. You can put it on your other shoulder. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I I that one I did I knew about the deputy sheriff one because you told me that when we spoke last week. Mm-hmm. I did not know about this passion about rodeo uh, champion. I, I just think there's so much that to, to, we could dive into. We're going to do another podcast in maybe a year or so when you're more involved and in, in, evolved in that one. Um, but just think about this, everyone. First female black belt in the state of Oregon, uh, continuing to grow in, her, in that field, starting a whole new pr- vocation as a sheriff's deputy. But then also the next thing is rodeo champion. I mean, I think when you can, when you cross one threshold in life and you prove your, you prove to yourself that you could do this. And that's like the case for you getting your black belt in 10 years ago, it gives you that hope and that faith and that confidence that you can do the next thing. And I think that's why if you feel like you haven't had a win in life out there, anyone go out there and get a little win, find a way to get a win in life. It can be something small. It can be, I'm going to walk three days this week. That's all it can be. Now I'm going to go for a walk three days. If you haven't walked at all in the last two years, walk three days. Then next week, do four days. Find a way to get little wins because little wins and successes, they build on the bigger wins. And those build on even bigger wins. It's not about Mm -hmm. jumping from zero to 100. It's going from zero to one, then one to 1.5, then 1.5 to two. That's how we grow. And then when you get those big exponential wins, like when Amanda got her belt, earned her first black belt 10 years ago, that was a big win. But that came after five years of little wins. And now she's going to the next win. And then she's going to go to the next win. And they build on each other. They snowball. I, I didn't know anything about the radio. And so rodeo. Now, we got to have everybody who writes in heart letters this week. Please rec- recommend to me that we get Amanda on social media, though. She doesn't have a very strong social media presence. So we got we to gotta start. We got to tell her to get on Facebook more. We got we to gotta watch this journey evolve for her. Over the next few next few years, so I, hopefully people are going to write in and, and ask me to ask you to get on Facebook more. Uh, all right, want, want to see your story, Amanda? I want to watch. All it. right, I'll I'll work on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> okay, all right. The last question I'll ask you is is the question that is is there a question that I didn't ask you that you wish I had, or is there anything a final message you want to leave with the Bamboo Pack audience? Oh, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm honored and very thankful to uh, have been invited on your podcast. Um, and it, and again, I think some things that we already touched on are covered, but um, just if you're interested in something, pursue it, like just get, get out of that fear and get out of your box um, and just, and just do it set those attainable goals, but then also set that goal. That's a little bit scary to you um, and work on it. Attainable goals. I think that's powerful. I think what, what I hear there is something that I'm, I'm doing a lot of coaching now, Amanda on 10 X growth. And that is kind of, I'm a big believer. That's why the, my, the name of my firm and the name of the podcast is the bamboo lab, because I believe in the the process of how they plant Chinese bamboo trees um, and they plant them, and I know the audience has heard me say this a dozen times. And you plant the seed, you water it, you nourish it, it gets the right sunlight. You come back, you keep doing that over and over. And you, over the course of three or four years, nothing happens. You don't see anything growing. Be, um, and then um, right around the, between the fourth and fifth year, this, this tree explodes through the earth and it grows 90 feet in the, in the first six weeks. 
And what's wow. happening is during that th- three to four years, it's it, it, it's growing. It's growing underground. It's growing this immaculate, incredibly strong root system. So when it does grow, when hurricanes and typhoons come where all the other trees break and fall down, this tree bends and it comes right back. So that's what I tell people is you you have to have these small attainable goals that you just keep going after over, over, and over. Like they do plant you, when you plant and water and, and nourish the bamboo seed because it's growing. You're just not seeing it. Then you get this explosive 10x growth and and, and that's where you and the, the or, or at the same time you have to have this vision of, i'm going to grow six ninety feet in the first six weeks once i do go through the earth that's your 10x growth and that's the thing you have to go for that thing that scares you but in the in the meantime just keep planting that seed water that seed nourish that seed give it the sunlight because it's all working you just don't notice it yet but it's working oh, yeah. underground man yeah learn learn to love those challenges and get out of that victim mindset you know not not everyone is out to get you stop being so afraid of everything um yeah just just live i okay i have nothing else to say because that's the best way to end it just live Oh man, Fred! I'm so glad you came on here, Amanda. I knew this was going to be a great, uh, a great time talking to you. And I, I know there's so much more in there that we're going to get you back. I usually I can tell when I'm talking to somebody. Okay, this is the one that we're going to want to bring back in you know six to twelve months or so. So hopefully you're open to another interview and sometime maybe later in the in the uh, in the year we can want to hear what we're yes, where you're at absolutely. again. And I really want to go, I'd like to explore at one time your journey to becoming a black belt, like what you went through, what you did. So we can talk about that at another time. But I think for now, I just want to take the time to officially thank you for being this amazing person that you are and this such an inspiring guest on the Bamboo Lab podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, everybody, please send in those heart letters. Let us know what this particular episode with Amanda Lowen did for you, how it inspired you, how it made you think on a different level, maybe challenged you to get out there and stretch that comfort zone, try new things. Uh, call your, ask, uh, listen to your mom, if nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. And just know that I appreciate you all. Please smash that like button. Please uh, rate, review us, and please share this particular episode with three people you love who could get a little learning and inspiration and maybe be challenged just enough to take that next step in life. I'll talk to you all in a few days. In the meantime, please get out there and strive to give and be your best as a human being. Show love and respect to others and to yourself. And please, by all means, live intentionally today. Bye-bye.